Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. It is the NFL Draft Week. I'm Aaron Summers, going to have a few guests on today to help break down the overall draft picture and what goes into presenting the draft and the television production side of things. So that should be a cool conversation with NFL Network Vice President and Executive Producer Charlie Uke. He's coming up as a second interview. It's his eighth time overseeing all of NFL Network's coverage of the NFL draft. And that draft coverage starts Thursday at 7 o'clock Central on the NFL Network. Before we bring in Charlie, going to talk to Patrick Claibon, who also works for the NFL Network. He's a host and a reporter. He is on site at the Saints facility this week covering the Saints draft. He's going to give us a perspective on the Saints, but also a little overview of the NFL in general, what to expect from this draft and some of the moves leading up to the draft this offseason that might also affect how things trickle down on Thursday night. So let's start the conversation with Patrick. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. It's great to have you here on campus covering the Saints. How are you doing? Uh, it's great to be here, especially at a time where the Pels are doing what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I can't imagine uh, all you guys are going through, so I, I appreciate y'all squeezing me in uh, as, we, as we try to get two first-round picks on Thursday while a playoff game is happening. It's, it's bananas. It's bizarre <laughs> to have people talking Saints, but the first thing they mention is the Pelicans. It's incredible. I mean, it's a wild time around here, but we will take it. Speaking of wild times, the offseason here in the NFL was probably one of the craziest. What was something that surprised you more than anything? I think once you get you you started to see the quarterbacks move and, and it was tough to envision a world where Russell Wilson, as important as he is to the people in Seattle, uh, the things that he's accomplished there, the fact that he owns a soccer team there, um, <laughs> that he would play football for somebody else. And so once that happens, uh, once you you saw that and the dominoes start to fall, Devontae Adams gets traded. Almost almost nothing uh, could surprise <laughs> me at, at this point. Um, pretty much anything could happen, and it's like, oh well, yeah, this is this is the new normal. It's a shift that's constantly going to change, and until you know. <laughs> until you get a scenario. The least surprising thing I will say is Tom Brady coming back. That was the absolute least surprising thing. I, I, I will believe that Tom Brady's done playing football when the season starts and he's sitting next to me or, or something. Yeah. If I can physically keep him from playing football, which I would do if I had a chance, um, then that's when I will believe that was over. But anything else, um, anything is possible. It's kind of like expect the unexpected now. And yeah. I kind of feel that same way going into this draft. There's a lot of unknowns and we don't, I mean, we don't even know who's going to be the number one pick and that's going to dictate a lot of what teams do down the line. I mean, what do you expect to be maybe the first name off the board? I, in terms of the first, I can't get the first thing cause I have no idea what the, the, the Jags Jack, yeah. are, are planning to do uh, in conversations this week. I know that Doug Peterson would like uh, to have a tackle. Uh, near the top of the draft. I know they just extended Cam Robinson, but he won that Super Bowl with Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. And and I think that that's a formula that works. You want to you want to help a, a young quarterback, you want to facilitate his success, you protect him. Um but then th this is a draft where edge defenders um mm -hmm. have so much ability and it's definitely the heaviest position in this draft. So I can't at this point even, you know, 24 hours away, I can't pin players, but I can say that I think there are 10 to 12 players that are 
remarkably ahead of some of the other prospects in this draft. And so you, I, I try to start there. Like, who are the best 10 players? Who is going to – now, of course, there's wild cards in there. Is Carolina going to take a quarterback? What's Atlanta going to do? You, you try to do that math, but you, you, you go through all these permutations and you come to the constant result that anything is possible, right. that anything could happen. So what can you do if you're a team? You can trade in and get two first round picks after pick fifteen, <laughs> and that Weird. that makes that makes the math a little bit easier, uh, especially if if you feel if you feel good about your roster. Yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of action. I anticipate there to be. How much trading movement do you expect? I think we have seen so much movement in terms of the picks before the draft uh-huh. that it's it's going to be a little harder considering the uncertainty to do that on draft night. Because if, if you're, if you're having these conversations on draft night, then you've probably already had them. Um, so I don't know how much new movement is going to happen. What I think we will see is once the board starts to shake out the, the discussions about hypotheticals that people have had, um, then those will get triggered mm-hmm. um, as the picks come in. Um, but Again, with the uncertainty quarterback spots, with the Atlantas, with the Pittsburgh, I, I guess with the Saints, depending on who falls and where that they fall, sure. right? Those things have to trigger before those conversations happen because the, the, there's just even in having the discussions. Um, if you're one of those teams, you don't want to have too many of those discussions because then it pegs you into a certain spot, especially with Pittsburgh, where they've had the mystery for so long. And a lot of people have gone a lot of this offseason believing that the plan is to have Mitchell Trubisky play <laughs> the majority of, this, of the snaps in 2022. I don't necessarily believe that's the case. Mm-hmm. But they, the way that they have comported themselves, uh, you could make a realistic case for that argument. And, and so that just leaves so much uncertainty for everybody else. And I, I think it makes for great television. It's good for us that, that there is that uncertainty. But it really makes it hard on these decision makers to try to figure out beforehand I think you just have to you have these hypothetical plans and you have structures put in place to, uh, to make the decisions when you can. Who would be your first quarterback off the board? Uh, my first quarterback off the board would probably be Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, just from a talent perspective, um, we've seen it's very rare um, for somebody to come. It, it's it's not rare at all for people not to have success. It's very difficult to be one of the best 32 people in the world at anything mm-hmm. uh, probably even harder to pick them uh, before they grow before they mature before they come what they ultimately will be uh, but if somebody has talent <laughs> that's what you want yeah. because there's there's no amount of coaching that's that's going to give somebody talent um, and I think there are teams that can put Malik Willis in a, in a position to be successful they believe in their ability uh, to facilitate that for a quarterback but in terms of starting immediately um, I just look at the plays Kenny Pickett made. Yeah, uh, I think his ceiling, though, is a little lower than some of the other guys. Yeah, you can make that case. Uh, you can definitely make that case. But it's hard to look away from a guy who literally changed college football. <laughs> the, the, the fake slide is something that I think a lot of people have thought about. Uh, but nobody ever did it yeah. until until Kenny Pickett did. And the, the accuracy uh, leaps out when you compare him to the other prospects here. Uh, in this draft and, and what he was able to do. And yes, there was a significant amount of growth between his second to last year and his last year at Pitt. 
Um, but cumulatively, uh, the success that he had, I, I think you can put him in and he can play early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in terms, it's so hard to project really anything for these quarterbacks. You, you look at Josh Allen and it's like, oh, yeah, you can you can just take a freak athlete and he'll be accurate in a couple of years. No, yeah, <laughs> like no, nobody's probably doing that. Um, but in the options that you have uh, for how you can run a football team. Uh, Malik Willis gives you most of those options, but uh, accuracy is so important. I mean, especially people here in New Orleans watching one of the more accurate mm-hmm. throwers of a ball in the history of throwing things. Um, you, you get you get biased towards that, and and I think Kenny Pickett is the most accurate quarterback in the draft. Well, now we do have a quarterback that's shown a lot of improvement as far as accuracy goes in Jameis Winston. I think we're needing some more assets on the offensive side. Yes. What do you think the Saints are going to do with this draft? I, I think you get impact players at impact positions. Um, if they make the picks, uh, if they don't move up for an opportunity, um, if they if they don't move back, uh, depending on how the board shakes out, I think from the conversations I've had with people in this personnel department, they believe in the nucleus of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe that they can contend this year as they have all of the previous years. You go back to 2002 when Mickey Loomis first comes, and there are people, including Dennis Allen, who, who have been here for 12 or more, or more of those years. Um, and the commitment to winning in the year hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. And, and you see different approaches around the league, and not to make a value judgment about those approaches, but from from somebody who enjoys football from a fan's point of view, I like it when teams try to win uh, and, <laughs> and you didn't see uh, the saints punting uh, on last season or this season um, in, in search of some future hypothetical goal. Uh, they have tried to win and the additions that they've made addressed it, addressed something, some deficiencies from 2021, but also injuries were such a huge part yeah. of 2021. I think this team started more unique lineups than almost any team in the history of football. That's an uh, actual fact. <laughs> and so, uh, and, so and, and even then, right, um, you're, you're a few plays away mm-hmm. uh, from being really where you want to be. And so that there is, there's a chance here, considering some of the unknowns that we had about the players in this draft and some of the team's feels and feelings about quarterbacks, and teams addressing needs as well that are that a couple of really really good players are going to be available at sixteen and nineteen that can have an impact on this team, and and I think that's that you you had opportunity with with what was here before the trade with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Now you have so much more opportunity, sure. and I, I think that's what they're looking for, and I think that's what they're going to get. Positions that they're going to go after. It it depends so much on the player. Um, I know that um, so. Bradley Roby, uh, of course, comes comes over. You you solve some issues right on, on the back end, on defense, um, but then you you know that there's this lingering need. This, even if even if Mike uh, comes back and he's mm-hmm. the Mike Thomas that we know and appreciate, uh, you still need somebody on the outside. Yeah, and so that person is going to be there in, in some capacity, whether it's uh, Olave or Jamison Williams. Um, there's going to be a talented player on the outside that is available at 16 or 19. I, I think that's what the Saints do. Um, probably that first pick, I would say if you're going to go 
positional value, right? That 16, I would assume, w- would be an offensive skill player. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of the top guys that, that falls down, not necessarily due to any deficiency on their own, but those teams that are in the picking in the top 10, they're, they're in the top 10 for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and they have some real issues. Uh, some of them um, lingering issues going back five, 10 years in the franchise, they'll be picking in the top 10 again. Um, and they pass on players that, that they believe, you know, don't offer certain value. They, they have sometimes some nebulous reasons for, for going with a, a guy that fits into a system. I think this team has the capacity to make decisions not in search of some system goal, even though there is like a prototype in terms of height, weight, speed, and positional value that they use. Uh, the Saints aren't necessarily boxed in mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of these teams are. So they can take best player available and really mean that. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that a lot of these other teams don't have. It's a nice luxury to have to not feel like you need to hit a home run right. in this draft. Not right now. There are some teams out there, the Chiefs, Jags, they have 12 picks in this draft. And then you have the Dolphins who traded away the house for Tyreek Hill and only have four. Who do you think has the opportunity to make the biggest splash or the biggest impact on their upcoming season with this draft? In terms of this draft, I think the Giants could, when when you have those those two picks, um, the Jets and the Giants having two picks in the top 10 with the talent disparity from the top of this draft to, to the bottom of this draft. I, I think that gives you a lot of opportunity, but again, the jets and the giants are picking in the top 10 again because mm-hmm. they, they haven't had that success. Right. Um, Both of those teams with two top right. 10 picks. Exactly. Um, and so when you have, you know, the volume shooters at the top <laughs> with four picks, yeah. um, you could, that, that essentially means that there's, there's two more players. Um, that are going to be available after they pick. Um, and so, yes, they have the opportunity, but if they miss on that opportunity, then that opportunity slides down the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, that's that's not me being being homerish. I, I go to the other team that has a couple of first-round first, first uh, round picks, and I, I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting here with you guys. I think there's a huge opportunity uh, for, for New Orleans coming up tomorrow. So have we figured out who you're a fan of yet? <laughs> I am a fan of the National Football League. I I am a unabashed stan of Lamar Jackson and have been uh, from the very first time I saw him step on the field uh, playing against Auburn. I was covering that game and uh, working for CBS in Birmingham. And I I would like for him to be successful. Mm -hmm. But in in terms of uh, the team, I really just pick storylines over the course of the year. Find find people and coaches and GMs. Uh, and sometimes fans to root for in terms of the outcome. Because when you when you cover all of these teams, as I'm, I'm coming up on season eight, you, you, I've started to realize that there's a lot of stories that in terms of the team story every single year that we forget about. Because whoever hoists that Lombardi trophy gets to be remembered. And as much as that trophy is important, as much as that game is important, I kind of feel like we lose something in that mm-hmm. um, because you have incredible teams, you have incredible accomplishments that due to the random number generator that is this universe don't get to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so I, I just, I, I appreciate, and I know it sounds cliche, but I, I just appreciate 
I appreciate all of it. Um, I, I loved having a chance to see Odell uh, come back from what he came back from. Yep. Able to moonwalk in the Super Bowl. I was dejected when he got hurt. Absolutely. Uh, but seeing seeing something like that, um, that means something to me. And this is a guy who's been on three teams, right? <laughs> who's been around the league. Um, things like that. I, I, I appreciate uh, being able to see things like that. And, and those are stories that develop as the season goes mm-hmm. on. And so as much as, as I get jealous of people who have a team <laughs> and believe in a team uh, and you can see them succeed and fail and live and die with that, I have the luxury of being able to to, to hop around. And I, I know that makes me bandwagon or fair weather, but people, right. people like what you like. I, it's probably I mean, less painful, though. It can be, uh, but you can also have your heart fragmented in so many pieces and have them all broken by Tom Brady every single year. So there's, well, there is that. Over here, we hope that we're breaking Tom Brady hearts and, yes. and the Bucks as the season goes this year. It worked well for us last year, so we're hoping to do the same thing this year. We appreciate you being here. Looking no forward problem. to your coverage of the Saints um, with the NFL Network. The draft does start at 7 o'clock Central Thursday night. It's going to be a conflict of interest for sure for us <laughs> New Orleans fans here. But we'll be multiple screens watching everything. Yeah, here's 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 what I would say. Um, set your text alerts on yeah. for for the draft. Watch the playoff game. And uh, you can always, you know, hit the DVR on NFL Network. You go to watchnflnetwork.com, run, run it back. Uh, just avoid spoilers for, for the draft and, and, and watch the playoff game. Just just consume the draft. That That is the priority. I, I, do, I am obligated to say that. Protect the shield. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Thank you so much again. <laughs> no, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Patrick for joining us on the podcast today. You can follow him at Patrick Claybon. That's Patrick C-L-A-Y-B-O-N. And, of course, you can watch him on the NFL Network coverage throughout the draft weekend. Now we're going to talk to Charlie Yuke, who is the NFL Network vice president, executive producer. He is going to be overseeing the NFL Network's coverage of the NFL draft. Really cool conversation with him about what goes into that coverage and the decisions, some of the memories from over the years. This is his eighth year doing the draft for the NFL Network. So we're going to bring Charlie in and get his perspective leading up to this draft. Charlie? It's going to be a big week for you, the NFL Network, lots going on. How excited are you to kind of get this week underway? I think we're ready to go, Aaron. Uh, You know, there's a lot of folks, talented men and women, boots on the ground in Las Vegas, building the sets out. Um, You know, NFL Network's coverage, which kicks off next Thursday, April 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We've got three amazing sets at the Bellagio Fountains, which is iconic, the Cosmopolitan overlooking the strip and the main theater set right behind the, uh, the high roller Ferris wheel at the link. So we're ready to go. A lot of clubs, including the saints that have multiple picks in the first round. And we want to make sure we cover each pick uh, as best as we can. You've done this now. It's will be your eighth year. How have you seen the NFL draft grow into the event that it is? I mean, you just named so many things that are going to be happening around this weekend. Yeah. I mean this, you know, the draft used to be when I, when I was working here, it was pretty consistent. We were at radio city uh, music hall in New York city uh, one set, a couple other locations, everything was centralized in New York since 2015. This has been a traveling roadshow, whether it was Chicago two years in a row and then Philadelphia and then Dallas, Nashville took a break during the pandemic, Cleveland, and now we're in Vegas. It's just becoming bigger and bigger. And, 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 and as you know, and as Saints fans and NFL fans know, 
Uh, the NFL likes to do things big. Um, this won't be any different. Uh, the weather is going to be great. The, the amount of people there is going to be great. And I think the anticipation uh, for this draft is even higher than last year because we just don't know actually what's going to happen. I, last year at this time, we knew Trevor Lawrence was going to go one. There's a lot of names we've heard of one. And like I said, there's so many teams with multiple picks in the first round, that movement, that chaos, those trades. That's what we're hoping for. When does the research start on your end to prepare for what may happen? Yeah, well, we're, we were lucky, Aaron, because, um, you know, Vegas has been planned for, for two years. So the research itself for the site, uh, we've, we've been able to go back on our notes. But as far as the prospects and players, you know, we, we start slotting uh, human interest stories, uh, players, what they're going to do in like July. Um, and then we, as soon as the calendar flips on, you know, to January 1st, that's when we really start digging in because that begins our bowl season, you know, with East West Shrine, Senior Bowl. Um, so that's when we start digging in, but it's, it's become like the NFL itself. It's become a year long process. Um, this is one of the marquee events that we showcase and produce ourselves at the NFL media group. So we take great pride in the storytelling, uh, and the research that we've done, uh, and, you know, pick one is just as important as Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, we want to make sure between those two picks and everything in between that, that we're telling the right stories uh, and the best possible stories. So it's, it's become almost year long, Aaron, but it's, it truly begins in the summer. You mentioned the saints. I know saints fans are getting excited. They're definitely one of the most passionate fan bases. And I will say I'm also biased. They do have two first round picks in 16 and 19. Any ideas where you think things might fall there? You know, that's going to be up to, uh, you know, the, smarter people than me that work for the saints and the, the saints front office. Uh, what we always hope for is any sort of, like I said, chaos or movement, whether it's a team moving up a player falling down, does this make sense? Um, you know, the saints are in great position at 16 and 19 that, that they can stay there and get two impact players, move up, move down, whatever it is. But for, for, for us specifically and how we cover this, um, you know, we're measured in our coverage. There's, there's no bias. All 32 clubs are treated equally. We want to make sure we're celebrating this night because that's what it is. Getting drafted in the NFL is a huge accomplishment for these individuals. Um, but with the Saints specifically, you know, they're going to get two pl good players. We know that. It's just a matter of are they going to stay where they are. Mm -hmm. The hope and goal always is let's see some stuff that happened like last year where, you know, picks 10 through 15, the Eagles and Giants made a trade. The Bears and the Giants made a trade. The Bears moved up to get Justin Fields. And then all of a sudden, Matt Jones starts slipping a little bit to the Patriots, falls there at 15. Those are the moments you can never script. Those are the moments that we live for in those moments, just like the fans who watch, you know, the draft are like, holy cow, what's happening? So we can follow along there. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints take a wide out. That's just my guess. I know nothing. Um, but, you know, I think that might be the hope, too, for some Saints fans. But um, one of those picks, it wouldn't shock us. And if it was a wide out, we're preparing that way as well. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of good players out there, a lot of great stories. And like I said, 8 p.m. Eastern next Thursday, NFL Network. We can't wait to showcase it for you guys. From your side of it, how does that communication work when trades or movement starts happening? Is it the team that reaches out to, to you, to the host, to reporters? How does that work? Yeah, so a little just inside baseball in the, in the broadcast compound in the trucks, we all have a line, uh, you know, the PLs we use in our headsets, and we, uh, we are directly in communication with the league. They are the ones that will officially announce any movements or deals or trades or who's on the clock. Uh, we get that typically uh, as they're being vetted and approved by, uh, you know, Football Operations Management Council and all, uh, all the others that have to do that. So we'll get that before, obviously, the viewer does. So we can set up 
you know, okay, now this, this, the logo's changed. It is now the Saints on the clock. They've moved up to number one, uh, you know, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> um, you know, we change, you know, we, we change, we tell our announcers, okay, now we got to talk Saints. They've moved up to one. Let's talk there. What does this mean? What did it, what happened? And then we get the assets uh, from the league also saying they traded, you know, these two picks first round next year to get here. So uh, it's, it's definitely controlled chaos. Um, there's a lot going on, a lot of people in everyone's ears, but, um, you know, it's, it's so much fun. Honestly, this is one of the most rewarding and fun things that we do. Uh, cause there's no, I mean, there's no football going on and people are so passionate about it. It's yeah. really just, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fantasy draft literally. And people are just like, go crazy about it over there's no football. It's just a person. And and the hopes are riding on this person, but that that's what it is. Right. And that's why Vegas is so perfect for the background for this. You got to be lucky. You got to, you got to hope for the best. And then that one of these players is going to, you know, alter the change of your franchise. And it's definitely possible. People just show up to boo or to cheer. It's really literally all that happens. When you look back on your coverage, what's kind of one of the most memorable moments that you've had? Oh, good question. Um, you know, top of my head, Nashville, the, the, the just up, up and down Broadway was one of the more iconic shots we've had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year, I think, you know, just referencing those moments where, where you get all these trades back to back, like we did with the Giants and Eagles and Bears. Um, those are the type of moments. But, but honestly, it's the, the things that always stand out the most is, what you know, in any, any reality show, right? The NFL is a reality show sometimes too. You, you just want to feel something. You need emotion. You need mm -hmm. intrigue. You need mystery. I think in this night we do get it. And it may sound cheesy, but it's like, just think of the, the hard work it took. Like, right. Sometimes we focus on the negative too much. Think of the hard work, work it takes to even get to this point, to be selected, to play for the national in the national football league. And that moment itself is so powerful. Uh, and that like when, when you're surrounded by family members and the sacrifices that not only the, the athletes have made, but the families have made and seeing that raw emotion happen and hugging their, their family folks, seeing dogs, right. Dogs are a part of families. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that like, th that I always take away as the heartwarming stuff, because I think we've learned anything in the last couple of years too, Aaron, like family is so important and getting these milestones and being with family is so important. And, you know, that's one of the thing I know that with our, 32 cameras and 60 some odd remotes that we want to make sure we show that there's emotion involved from the fan to the player, to the stage, to the commissioner, to the clubs making the team. And if we can tie all that in, that's, that's pretty successful. And then we get to do it all over again when the next team's on the clock. So. Yeah. I always love the human interest stories and that side of the game for sure. It's fun seeing the families as well. I was going to ask you what you would need to convey or want to convey with your coverage in order for you to consider it a success, but you kind of touched on some things that, you think make a successful broadcast there? I, I, I think for us, we, we, we don't base success on anything, but do we feel like we presented um, what we needed to do in that time frame of the pick in, in as best we can? Mm -hmm. We feel our roster of talent is awesome, right? Um, night one, we roll out with Rich Eisen, Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, Coach David Shaw from Stanford. We've got Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, Joel Klatt, Ian Rapport, Melissa Stark, like that Thursday night lineup will, we feel very confident we're going to present the the best voices we can. And it's not too many voices. It's not too little voices. Um, so success will be really dictated. We don't look at ratings or any of that stuff. It's just, did we, were we able to tell the best stories possible? And like you said, what are some of the most memorable moments? Because those are the moments that we'll remember forever. And then those mm -hmm. are the ones we'll, some of those we can control. 
some of these the things we do, like stump the truck on day three, which hashtag stump the truck, you know, the announcers yeah. on social are like, what video do you not guys have after the months and months of preparing? That usually gets pretty viral and that kind of stuff is is super fun. But, um, you know, if, if we can get some of those kind of special moments and, and then build upon after every year, we will get there. That's how we got to the set locations, too. And I don't want to, you know, bog it down on sets, but one of the more better high shots we ever had was in Philadelphia at, at, at the Logan Hotel this cosmopolitan shot kind of repeats that the beautiful shot from, from Nashville at Tootsie's. Well, this Bellagio set kind of is going to feel that way too. So we want to also make sure people who, who are watching us may, maybe have a little FOMO can actually feel like they're in Vegas, right. Even if they're not there while they're rooting on, you know, the saints, although I'm going to guess a lot of people, you know, have been, have been in Vegas at this point, but um, you know, it's, it's the hub and spoke model. We always call it the center is going to be Vegas and we want to connect everyone we can to Vegas but also with uh, what's going on with the teams on the clock. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to watching the draft every year. I appreciate you taking the time and that's going to be April 28th to 30th. NFL network has complete coverage. So everybody will be tuning in there and the Saints fans definitely will be locked in, especially for round one. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you to Charlie and to Patrick for taking time with us today. Great conversations on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. The NFL Network is providing live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from Las Vegas starting April 28th. That is Thursday, 7 o'clock Central. The draft runs Thursday through Saturday, rounds two through seven are Friday and Saturday. Friday starts at six o'clock central Saturday at 11 o'clock central. So lots of football that you can take in this weekend. I will be here at the Saints facility on Saturday for the draft boil. So come out, hang out with us there. It is 11 o'clock until two o'clock. We're going to have some current Saints players, some former Saints players, some legends that will be on hand. Going to get some interviews, lots of food. It'll be a good time, so come hang out with us on Saturday right here at the Saints practice facility in Metairie. Thanks so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast today. We will break down all things NFL draft next week. Enjoy the weekend and go Pels. Go Pels.